I'm Charles van Beek. Welcome to Salt and Light. Wonderful to have you join us in the studio today again as we talk about the issue of femicide. This is quite a interesting uh, topic because in South Africa we've had a lot of uh, researchers, uh, non-profit organizations and public benefit organizations doing a lot of research into this whole idea of femicide. And so we're going to talk about that, uh, especially considering the month of August, which has been um, entitled the month of women for South Africa. And we've also celebrated Women's Day just a, a little while back. So Welcome with us. We are going to be talking to Olga, who's in the studio with us. Olga works with the Josiah Trust, and she works in a local township near Cape Town. And it's wonderful to have her here with us. Olga, welcome to Salt and Light. Oh, thank you for having me, Shell. Olga, let's get started from the beginning by just giving a brief idea of uh, your background. Where do you come from? What are you doing here? Okay, uh, my name is Olga. Uh, I'm from Limpopo. Limpopo, where's that? Uh, in, in Zimbabwe. No, 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 no. Just it's close to Zimbabwe though because it's next. Uh, I'm from Musina actually. Right up, the, right up on the northern border of South Africa. Yes, yes. Uh, and uh, I studied in Pretoria, and I moved here to uh, Cape Town in Clipperville uh, just about two years ago. Right, and you studied? I studied human resource management. Human resources, okay. Uh, yes, I completed it at, in Atlantis College in, in Cape Town. Yes, and right now you're involved in ministry in quite a few facets. Um, one of them being that you run a safe home. Yes. Uh, what what does that entail? So my sister and a friend and I, we started um, a safe house. We look after children who are abused in the community. It's like we live in a very small, uh, poor township uh, just outside Devonville. So we look after children who've been uh, abused uh, sexually, who are not wanted in their homes, and uh, the school dropouts, we encourage them to go back to school and just look after them in any way that we can. When you talk about a township, are you talking about a formal settlement or an informal settlement with shacks? What does it look like? Uh, it's an informal settlement with shacks, with uh, barely running water. We have a few taps and we have outside toilets and things like that. All right, so it's, it's very tough circumstances. It's, it is very tough, and uh, yeah, it's very tough because you can find out that uh, 10 families have to use one tab. Sometimes we have to share a toilet with others and things like that. Yes, and I can't imagine that being a, a very healthy situation with the COVID-19 and all the issues that have been um, going on here in South Africa living in those circumstances must be pretty uh, scary. Yes, it is pretty scary and it's, 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 it's such a painful circumstances because we are told to wash our hands for more than 20 seconds and things like that. Sometimes we don't have running water. Yeah, the we, taps aren't, aren't giving you water, so what do you wash with? Yeah, hmm. so we just stay as we are and then we, you know, we keep, even if it's not the coronavirus, we get other, you know, bacteria and diseases because we barely wash our hands and we, because we have to save water for the dishes, for bathing and doing laundry and things like that. Yes. So it's very difficult when you're staying in an informal settlement to abide by the rules of the uh, COVID-19. Yes, I want to, I want to make it very clear to our listeners that you don't have to live in these circumstances. You're an educated woman. You went to a private school. You've completed your studies uh, for your diploma, and you've chosen to go live in these circumstances. I mean, quite frankly, you come from a wealthy family. <laughs> yes. And uh, why are you doing this? 
Ah, uh, because I don't know. I I think I just have the 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 the, the heart to help people because I've always wanted to have my own orphanage. And then when I arrived in Klipjavol, at first I really wanted to go back because the situation was just so bad and I was not used to anything like that. But then as I, I started going to a church at Stonehill, it's where I made some friends and family. And then I realized that uh, there's more people that need help. And I stopped thinking about myself and thought about others. And um, yeah, I just felt like I can be more of help in the community in terms of uh, education. I can help with homeworks and assignment and then... I also got help myself spiritually because I, I gave my life to Christ that time and I, it's been great ever since. Yes. Now, one of the uh, courses you've done since you came to Faith in Christ was the Biblical Worldview Summit run by Dr. Peter Hammond. And a lot of people have done that course, but very few have nice things to say about PT in the morning. <laughs> yes, PT. Yeah, I, I, can, I can understand why. I Even myself, I mean, I was... I think I was late for almost three times. I was late three times and I had to do push-ups for that. I wasn't very happy, but yeah, it was it was beneficial in a way because, you know, you get to, to respect time management and things like that because it teaches you to, to, to manage your time professionally, even when you're at a workplace, when you're at home, when you have appointments with other people. So you learn to be on time for everything. Yes, I, re- I remember in years past, we had some a young youth and European from Europe. And he was like almost crying in his bed. He didn't want to get up in the morning for PT. And on one occasion, we found a pastor from Zambia hiding behind the, the bathroom <laughs> doors, praying so that he wouldn't have to go to PT. So it's been really interesting to hear this from you. But I wanted to give people a background to an idea of what you're doing and why you're doing it. But let's get onto the topic of femicide. What does the word femicide mean? It's a very big word. Um, lots of us are using our second or third languages. Um, what does the idea? What is the idea of femicide? Uh, to me, it simply means it's gender-based violence uh, uh, against women, like women and girls, like female. So yeah, that's what it means to me, and uh, it has been on my mind for so long because in South Africa we in all and all over the world of course we are suffering with the femicide femicide yes with the problem of femicide all right so what we're going to uh, do is we just want to talk about the kinds of uh, challenges that women need to go through Uh, you obviously got a perspective you've seen uh, or at least been very close to terrible circumstances that's exactly why you in the studio with us Um, I remember a while back in the township a woman's body being found at the on the railway lines um, mutilated she had been raped and terrible things have been done either to her before she died or with a corpse afterwards The, the the kind of treatment that she went through, nobody in their wildest dream should ever have to even think about something like that or be concerned or worried that that would ever happen to them. How do we start making a difference in this world here in South Africa as Christian people? I think, first of all, we need to to, 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 to listen and understand, especially to those that have been abused in any way, uh, because, you know, some of the people, they go through all these difficult things and they are scared to speak about it because nothing is being done 
about it. It's either from the government or the, the, the leaders of the communities and things like that. So some of them, they're, they're not even, well, when they are killed, it's not even the first time they've been abused. You know, they get abused before that happens. So if maybe they had spoken to somebody and that person listened to them and actually did something about it, maybe they wouldn't have been killed because you find out that they've been killed or raped by the person that they know that has been going on for so long. But then uh, the lack of action makes people just keep quiet. So I think us as Christians, we can start listening and doing something about it because I think we can all agree that uh, relying on the government doesn't really help in any way, especially here in South Africa. I think it's a very important point. Uh, the Bible is very clear. It tells us to have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Amen. Can you give us some idea of why women don't expose it? I mean, is it because it's the breadwinner in the family that's doing it? Is it because of embarrassment? Um, what What are the challenges uh, for women to come forward and say, I will not allow this any longer? Yeah, I think it has to do with that because some of the uh, people, the kids that, that I know, they've actually been abused by family members. And you can find out that, you see, us, especially in the uh, informal settlement, you find out that uh, you, you are being raised by your uncle and your auntie. So if it's your uncle who did that, it's a bit difficult for you to say because you know, where am I going to go if they chase me out of here? So you're going to lose your accommodation, you're going to lose your food, you exactly. might not be able to go to school anymore. Exactly. So it's it's things like that. So I think we need to go out there in townships, in informal in settlement and reach out to the people and speak to them. You know, and assure them that we will actually do something about it, that we will help them in any way that we can. Because it becomes so difficult for the children to speak, knowing that they're exposing themselves and then they feel embarrassed and nothing happens to it. And then everybody looks at them as somebody who's been raped and the rapist is outside or things like that. Yes. And so the poor victim actually is the one that gets badly looked upon exactly. rather than the perpetrator of the exactly. crime. It doesn't make any sense no, whatsoever. So part of your ministry is to actually accommodate girls that might be going through these circumstances. Exactly. We reach out to them and then we speak to them and see how we can help them. We actually try, we, we speak to social workers, we speak to the police. I mean, they don't really help always, but then we always try to help them in any way that we can. We reach out to them and help them spiritually and physically so that they can be able to to go on with their lives and that they don't have to stay in the same house with the person who will abuse them in any way. Yes, and, and some girls uh, who would probably come to you for help might only need it for a season, just for a while, until the perpetrator is gone or, or gone to jail or left the area or whatever. But I have heard before where the community has actually gone to people that have been accused of these crimes. As you say, the police have done nothing about it. And the community has kicked them out and told them they're never allowed to put their foot back yes. in the community again. Is that is that a true story? Yes, it is a true story. We've uh, recently, last year, late last year, we had an incident like that where the community members and the leaders, we actually went to this one guy's house because we were just so tired of him stealing and abusing children and doing drugs and things like that in our community. So everybody just went to his house and then we, uh, and the police were also there, but then the community was not scared of the police. So we told them that we want this person out and out right now. And he actually moved out. There's a whole biblical doctrine on this called the doctrine of the lower magistrate, where your community leaders are 
protecting you from the wicked because the so-called original civil government isn't doing what they're supposed to be doing in dealing with the wicked. Um, and so that's a fascinating idea to have the community stand up like that and tell perpetrators of crime, you're not welcome here by us anymore. Yes, exactly. Were, were the community, when they um, took action like this, were they violent or was it just a matter of... No, they were not necessarily violent. They just stood they laid the, down the law. Yes, they, they they just drew the line and told the police that this person must go. If that person doesn't go, obviously they were going to burn his house. I'm not with him inside, but they were actually going to destroy his house so that he won't have a place to stay there. Goodness me. Okay, <laughs> yes. so they, they were dealt very kindly with him in the beginning, but yes. he wasn't welcome to stay there any longer. Yes, yes. The people that come to you for help, um, you've been very generous. You have somebody in your home who's been staying there for a very long time um, and others that have come for short occasions. When you deal with them, how do you help them spiritually? You know, it's one thing giving somebody a room and keeping them warm with a heater during the freezing cold winter, feeding them. Uh, where do you start with spiritual help? Uh, firstly, what we do is that we as Christians, we don't just say that you need to give your life to Christ and do this and do that. We actually live it. So I think the first thing that happens to them is that they actually see it in our actions, the way we do things, the way we speak to them, the way we communicate. It's how we actually want them to be. And other than that, we all go to church on Sundays. We all attend Bible studies. We have the rules at the house, just like any other house, we have rules. Yes, we don't lock them up and say, don't do this, don't do that. But we tell, we tell them how we run things in our house. So the good thing is that most of the times they do listen. And yeah, we just pray and hope for the best because we don't have the, the ability to change anybody. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. So we just keep praying for them and help them read the Bible. We tell them if they have any questions, they ask. So we have all sorts of, 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 of programs and books for them to read. And we have some in their home language, which is great. And the Bible in the closer home language, which is awesome. Good. That is fantastic. Yes. I'm Charles van Beek. You're listening to Salt and Light. We're talking to Olga, who works for the Josiah Trust in a local township, uh, informal settlement near Cape Town. Uh, she's very involved with the issue of helping young ladies in the community who might be undergoing stress, a stressful environment of sexual abuse or, or physical abuse, uh, mental abuse. And so they literally have a home, her and a sister and a friend, where you can go for help. So we're discussing the issue of femicide. Uh, this is the whole idea of um, gender-based violence that's been going on. And our president had something to say about this just a while back, Olga. What was his comments about femicide? I, uh, on the 17th of June, um, the president uh, addressed the nation and he referred to the killings of women as a secondary uh, pandemic, which simply means that it, it like it's it's big, like it's 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 a serious crime that has been going on for long. Uh, we all know that uh, the gender-based uh, violence is nothing new in South Africa. A woman is murdered every three hours. The question is, a what... woman is murdered every three hours on average in South Africa. Yes, that's what the re uh, the research say shows in that, the internet. That sounds like a war zone. Exactly, it is. Then the question is, what is the government going to do about it? Because uh, 
the lack of, of, of action is what makes this even worse because they always know what's going to happen. They will say, oh, with the lockdown, we, we are expecting uh, the killings of women to be high, which is insane that you, you cannot expect something like that. What are you going to do to stop it since you know it's going to happen? Yes. That's the question that sure. we all have. If you know crime's going to take place, you jolly well need to, to do something it. about yes, it. Exactly. So it's, 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 it, you know, it's unsafe, unfortunately, because... Even just being in the elevator with a group of men, you feel scared because you don't know what's going to happen. Even just walking outside at night, going to the shop, it's it, it's scary. So knowing that the um, the president knows what's happening out there and he says that he f- he's feeling sad about injustice and things like that. I, I mean, it doesn't really comfort us at night. You know, it doesn't make us feel safe in yes. any way. When somebody's trying to bash your door down at night while you're in your bed. Uh, words, kind words are not going to actually no, make the help. difference. They don't help at all. Well, do you have any kind of um, other statistics or ideas of, of what's going on in South Africa, um, how we can make a difference as, as Christian people? And, and after you've said that, I want to talk about what Christian men can really do. Okay. But, but what sort of ideas are being um, spoken about in the media or in statistics here in South Africa? What are we dealing with? Okay, uh, research shows that uh, more than 87,000 cases of gender-based violence uh, w- uh, complaints were received in uh, by the police in 2019. More than 87,000 cases were received. And during the first week of the coronavirus lockdown in March, the police recorded 2,300 complaints of gender-based violence. In one week? In one week which is, is is crazy they keep they're showing all these records but then we we don't see the record of of actions that's being done against We don't all see 2000 people going to prison Exactly no there, there's many cases and you know only very few people were arrested which doesn't make sense at all And then when those who have been arrested go to prison 14000 of them or 19000 of them get released get released which... before they've done uh, the so-called time exactly so it's it's been crazy women all over the world have been fighting this um uh, social media uh, hashtags were trending with calls for justice and tr- a stronger action to be taken against um uh, to protect the women and children against the killers and things like that so everybody's just waiting to see what the government is going to do but uh, i don't think us folding arms and waiting for the government is helping us in any way one of the interesting statistics um, from across the pond in America is that women there use firearms 200,000 times in one year to protect themselves against being abused. Yeah, see, I, I, I'm actually not very shocked at all. I wish we can have, you know, that here in South Africa that we will all be allowed to, to have our legal firearms to protect ourselves. Because unfortunately, when you call the police, especially us who lives in informal settlement, I remember a friend of mine called the police. They showed up almost like seven hours later. I, I mean, can you imagine you get abused or you even die before the police yes, shows up? you'll be dead before they get there. Yeah, so I, I, it's not working for us, unfortunately. We really need to protect ourselves or we need uh, the people in the community, the men, uh, you know, to, to stand to, up. Yeah, well, let, let's talk up. about that. Let's talk about men standing up, what that needs to look like. I, I work in, I minister in townships. I work with young men. What are you going to tell me I need to teach them? 
I think you, you, you need to tell them uh, that they must do whatever it takes. I know what uh, the people say about uh, self-defense and things like that, but we are to, 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 to protect ourselves. Just because we are Christians doesn't mean that we fold arms and watch things happen. You get what I'm saying? Because people, they say that, uh, you know, the God, God is the God of all, which is true, but then that doesn't mean that we shouldn't protect ourselves. I think that the Bible tells us that the, the, the men must protect their wife and their children just as Jesus protected and loved the church. Yes. The same thing. They need to be prepared to die. To, to, uh, to like die Christ for, died for the church. For yes. their wives and children and things like that. So I think the men in the community, they need to do things like that. They need to stop being part of the problem and be part of the solution. Well, let's say you're a married woman and somebody breaks into your house and they are wanting to abuse you, rape you, maybe murder you. And your husband stands by and all he does is pray. What do you think about that? Well, uh, to, to, to be, I'm not trying to, to be harsh or anything like that. No, but you then can we, be, you can be we, harsh. We are going to have serious problems when all it's all said and done. That's if I'm still alive because he stood there and watched as we are trying to get yes. abused he'd or, or killed. A, he'd be considered a coward, ex surely. Ex exactly. And the Bible says there's no place in heaven for cowards. I, exactly. And, and you'd expect your husband to stand up and to protect you. And yes. if he needed to, you know, if your life was threatened in any way or they wanting to rape you, he, they, he needs to be able to use lethal force, yes. whether it's a cricket bat or whatever he can lay his hands on, but he needs oh, to be prepared knife. to die yes. to protect you. Yes. Yeah. So what, what other ideas should men consider? We have lots of men listening to Salt and Light. Um, they need to stand up for righteousness and truth. They need, need to expose the wicked. How else does this look? What, what other kinds of ideas do we need to do? What do I tell my son? How do I, how do I tell him to treat women? And how do I show it to him? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think uh, uh, it starts with how you as a father or as a husband or as the head of the house uh, uh, treat your children and your, your, your wife and the, the rest of the family, the way you protect your children and your wife. I think they, they also learn from that because if something is happening and then they see that their father is really not doing anything about it, even if you tell them to do something, they will saying, but you are not doing the same thing yourself. You get what yes. I'm saying? So That's it a big challenge you, is when you... You're doing a lot of talking and there's no action. And action, exactly. So I think you, you should, yeah, we showed them what the Bible says about uh, self-defense and protecting those who cannot protect themselves or speak for themselves and, and, and things like that. I think everybody needs to know that self-defense, it's, 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 it's something very serious that people really need to to, to wrap their around around it because people will say that we shouldn't do this, we shouldn't do that because the Bible says this and that, but... I feel that it's it's really important that we we read the Bible and understand what it says when it comes to self-defense or protecting our loved ones. We also have a challenge in, in different cultures in Africa where women don't understand their, their rightful place in Christ and they treat it like dirt and they consider that normal, which is completely unacceptable. Well, yes, there's so many uh, stuff that happened, especially in uh, our black community, that the, 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 there's so many rules and causes that the women can't, okay, the women can't fight for, for, the, for, for the family, even if, what can I say, even if, for, for instance, I, I, I cannot fight for, for, for my children, I cannot fight a man, I cannot argue with him in any way, I cannot tell him what to do. 
which is wrong because if he's being... Because he, he can be wrong. Yeah, he can be wrong, exactly. So if he's being wrong or if he's being stupid, I cannot tell him that, you know what, what you're doing is wrong or what you're doing is not, you know, it's stupid. I cannot say that it's against the culture. I understand. Yeah. Well, the Bible teaches differently to that. It tells us that we need to expose the wicked and that we need to stand up for righteousness and truth and we need to verbalize it and act on it. So uh, as soon as we... Or as we are involved in discipling the nations, we need to consider that and we need to teach it and we need to act on it. So, uh, Olga, thank you very much for joining us today. It's been wonderful chatting to you. Um, I hope you don't get into too much trouble for the things you've uh, (laughs) said here today uh, in your township. But uh, praise God for what you're doing and may the Lord bless you and strengthen you and all those who you reach out to. Thank you so much for having me. God bless you guys too. Well, I'm Charles van Beek. You've been listening to Salt and Light. And uh, thank you for joining us here today. And we will talk to you again in a while.